0: today comes from the book of deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 through 20. see today i have set before you life and prosperity death and adversity for i'm commanding you today to love the lord your god to walk in his ways and to keep his commands statutes and ordinances so that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your hearts turn away, and you do not listen, and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him. For he is your life, and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Psalm 119 verses one through eight. How happy are those whose way is blameless who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their hearts. They do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgment I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me.
1: My name is Brittany, and this is Matthew Craven. We're dairy farmers. I also work off the farm full time at Manitic Tree Movers.
2: What I like about dairy farming is I get to work at home. Uh, I don't have to deal with driving in traffic, but uh, I do like to be at home is a big thing, be a part have a family close by. Uh, We've been dairy farming now for, I guess we're in our ninth year since we started. Uh, Before we started dairy farming uh, I drove a truck, uh, drove a big truck for I guess about 15 years or so.
1: And I was a stay-at-home mom.
2: (laughs) I always wanted to milk cows. Uh, I did milk cows for a few years uh, after I finished high school and uh, it was something I always wanted to do so we got we're fortunate enough to get the opportunity to do it, so, yeah.
1: The transition, I would say, was, for me, a steep learning curve. I had never milked cows before or grew up on a dairy farm, so I didn't, well, as much as Matthew would explain it to me, he'd say, well, there'd be this much work, this much commitment, like, really, you're at the farm 24-7, 365, and I, I understood it in my mind, but you don't really understand it till you're doing it. It was, in the beginning, Matthew did the chores like milking morning and night on his own. And then he had pulled a muscle in his back, I don't know, about a year in, maybe a little less. And then I started coming in the morning and then it just stuck. I've been coming in the morning ever since. So we milk at four in the morning and four in the evening, um, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. So <laughs> there's no holidays or breaks. It's a good thing. It's just, it's, you definitely sacrifice when you do this job. The two of us have not been on vacation. Well, we went to a wedding, how many years ago was that?
2: Five years ago. In
1: Halifax, we were gone for 23 hours. I really like, I love the cows. I love um, that we have a family farm. I like that we can help provide food for people. Um, But I also like that our kids get to grow up on a farm. There's lots of times they have to make sacrifices, for sure. There's times where you know we have plans to go out somewhere and then something happens in the barn so they can't go. But at the same time, I think it's a great place to be brought up. Uh, you learn lots of good things, hard work. But uh, at the end of the day, it's all about really the love. We get to work together, him and I, but also the kids pitch in. They all have their chores that they do, and you know they're always excited when there's a new calf born, getting a name, a new calf, or doing things like that. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of days. It's hard and long, but at the end of the day, it always feels like your home and what you're supposed to be doing
2: the kids like being on the farm for the most part Uh, they do miss going away on holidays that's one thing that they do say that definitely
1: this year especially they're like everyone gets to go to Florida or whatever and we don't get to do that so that's Uh, something that I would say we we try to make
2: home life as fun as we can make it for them
1: I'd say if anyone's facing a big choice or big decision, what we did before we chose to do this, um, we spent a lot of time talking about it, but we also spent a lot of time in prayer about it. We um, definitely, it was Matthew's dream which I caught, (laughs) and um, it was something that he wanted to do forever, and it was a hard thing to get to. When you want to melt cows, you can't just decide, I'm going to do it and start tomorrow. There's a big process where you have to apply like and there's a program called the new entry program so through that program you have to have a 10-year business plan you have to have it backed by your accountant you have to have all your funding set up and then it's done by lottery once you pass the initial initiation so we applied three years and then the third year we were like you know we'll give it one more try try it out and we found out on christmas eve actually that we got in that year so We also had prayed because with that program you could find out like say in December and then have to start milking in March and we needed to do a lot of work, find cows, do stuff like that. So we had really prayed to a multi prayer that God would A, let us be able to milk cows and then B, not make it March because we didn't know how we would do it. So he actually, we found out in December and we didn't have to start till the following November. So it was basically all the ducks fell in a row or really it was God. And then everything fell into place after that. Like we were able to find a whole herd of cows, not have to take pieces from different places. Um, We were able to find milkers from someone that we knew, so we knew they'd be in good condition. There were just a lot of blessings after that. It wasn't just one, it was many. So yeah, I would say if you're in a big decision or looking down, making a big decision or life change, pray. Because obviously God didn't think it was time for us those first two years, but on year three, he's like, okay, here guys, so.
2: Yeah. No, she pretty well said it all yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: I just love that line at the end no she pretty much said it all i think that was awesome so you know i just want to say thank you to matthew and to brittany for uh having me over and for uh you know being really really good sports and kind of letting us see a little bit of what goes on at at the farm there and to you know having an insight into what how do they how do they how do they make choices how do they uh make A decision um, when change is on the horizon and you know really what we see with them is this life of sacrifice but this life of joy as well that they've had since starting to have the dairy farm nine years ago and uh, it helps maybe put some of my own griping into perspective when you hear that they've had one 23 hour vacation in the past five years Uh, so um, yeah but Hopefully you can see that um, the decision for them to go into dairy farming was not an easy one, not one that they took lightly, and it... It first of all required and has required on a continued basis uh, sacrifice and flexibility and life change on each of their parts. And in fact, as you heard, it's affected, um, you know, the whole family. That's something that the whole family has had to choose, you know, to get into and to get involved with. Because really what dairy farming is, is a lifestyle, right? It's a way of doing life as a family. um, And it seems that... Uh, the benefits outweigh the costs although I'm sure it depends on the day right Um, and uh, you know just a quote from Brittany she said if you're making a big decision or a life change pray because God obviously didn't think it was time for us those first two years but on year three he's like okay guys And the lectionary passage that we're looking at this morning is all about choice last week we learned that we are the light of the world which means that we are the visible part of god's invisible kingdom and we shine this light by loving god and uh, with everything and by loving our neighbors and ourselves and i gave uh, us the challenge of doing something this past week to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify Uh, your father in heaven and and I hope that some of you have taken that opportunity you know to do something out of the ordinary some sort of a good work to let others see if you haven't then there's always next week right so uh, because we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden that's what we learnt last week and this this week uh, our our lectionary passage uh, in deuteronomy chapter 30 is all about choice and the story here well it's about choice meaning choose life you can choose choose life or maybe death you know those are the two options and the story here is that the children of israel have been wandering for 40 years um in the deserts of, of zin and sin um it's not a metaphor it's actually called the desert of sin and uh, and so they've been wandering all over the sinai peninsula one entire generation has died in the desert as god promised because of their sin that, again, not a metaphor, actual sin and uh, and then the next and, and now we're at this moment where the next generation is poised, ready to enter the promised land and so you know, the whole of the book of Deuteronomy is pretty much a sermon that Moses preaches and uh, he's preaching it to the Israelites right before they cross the Jordan and if you want to find out more about what happened after the Jordan cro- crossing we actually did a sermon series on the book of Joshua back in 2018 and, and you can listen to that on Spotify. We, we weren't live streaming then, but if you want to listen to it, then it's there on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But now in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, we, we sort of get to this locker room speech uh, it's, it's it's like the locker room speech that the coach would give to the team before the second half of the game when everything is on the line it's all or nothing and coach Moses last week we heard about you know Mr. Christ our teacher well this, well, this week it's coach Moses and coach Moses is standing in front of his team of Israelites and he says they have a choice how they want to play and the choice is clear he says this see to I've set before you life and prosperity, death and adverse and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. So he's saying here that it's, it's make or break time for the Israelites. And he says that life is intricately bound up with three things with loving God with walking in his ways and with keeping his commands and last week I talked about how the commands of God uh, are the constitution of the kingdom of God so if you love God then logically uh, you show it by valuing what he values and by doing what he says there's no other way to love God except through walking in his ways And keeping his commands. And so for the new generation of Israelites... This is their watershed moment. They are done paying for the sins of their parents and the faithlessness of their parents who died in the desert. That chapter is done. Now they get to forge their their own future. Now they get to make their own choices. Now they get to choose for themselves, just like Matthew and Brittany had to choose what future they wanted for their family. They had that watershed moment, and the Israelites. Have a similar one now. And Moses says in verse 15 that the choice is clear. He says, See, today I've set before you life and prosperity and death and adversity. And not only does Moses say that the choice is clear, but he also says that the consequences of the choice are clear in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 30. But if your hearts turn away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you're entering to possess across the Jordan. And for many of us this morning that we are tempted to worship other gods we're tempted to worship gods that are not gods success or advancement or money or power or fame or clout or maybe unhealthy love or ungodly love or lust or self-justification or or being willing to live in an ethically gray zone Or what about revenge? Can revenge be a God that we worship? Can hating our enemies be a God that we worship instead of praying for them? And so the gods we worship take many forms, many, many forms. And many times we expect God to understand that, yeah, we love him, but we're kind of in an open relationship with him. Right, As long as he's willing to share us with the other gods, then we'll serve him. But here God shows us that he is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He will not share you with lesser gods that are not gods. He will not have you on weekends while the other gods enjoy you during the week. If your hearts turn away and you do not listen, and you're led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish yeah this evening we've got the uh super bowl meat club at cornerstone which is awesome and if you're a lad of all ages as i've already said you are welcome to join and bring some meat with you and just uh have a great time but for most of us who who are going to be there we've got no skin in the game right we're there for fun and fellowship Meet maybe the halftime show if you're a fan of Rihanna great if you're not then so you know We're there, but we don't have skin in the game and We'll probably watch a bit of football and then we'll go home right that that's what will happen tonight But for people on the teams for the Kansas City Chiefs and for the Philadelphia Eagles It's either win or lose. It's fame or shame. It's the Super Bowl or it's nothing And as we read Deuteronomy 30, we're invited to read it as team players, not as bystanders. Not as those who are watching from North Gore at meat club, but as if you're in the arena itself. Because as Moses says, the stakes are high. Higher than a football game, higher than choosing whether you're going to go into dairy farming or not. Important as these matters are. He says, see today I've set before you life and prosperity and death and adversity. And the sad thing is that many of us think that we don't need to make a decision. We don't need to really decide that God is somehow maybe ambivalent. Whether we choose to follow him or whether we choose to follow another way. We sometimes think that God doesn't really care either way. But that could not be further from the truth. Okay, answer me this. If God did not care whether you followed him wholeheartedly or not, could we call him a God of love? If God did not care whether you followed him wholeheartedly or not, could we, in all fairness, say that he is a God of love? You see, we often say that, you know, the opposite of love is hate. But, you know, I've heard it said, I'm not sure who, but the opposite of hate is, or the opposite of love is not really caring. And do we serve a God that doesn't really care? Or do we serve a God of love? Do we serve a God who doesn't care about what you do, about how you choose to live your life? If we serve that God, then he's no longer a God of love. A God who's willing to share his bride with another is not a God of love, which is why God gives us an ultimatum. Choose me and choose life or choose otherwise and choose adversity. And remember that not choosing, sitting on the fence, well, that's a choice in and of itself as well. You see, for each of us, many or much of our misery or hurt or upset stems, if we're honest, not all the time, but much of the time, lots of our misery and our upset stems from, t- from the, those times when we've chosen to worship other gods, when we've chosen our own way instead of choosing God's way. And friends, if you're sat here this morning, then here's the truth about you, that you were created for union with the Lord God Almighty. You were created to walk in his ways. You were created to live in the design that he has for your life. Only by following him and choosing him will you find joy. Now, if you're anything like me, you don't always choose, right? You don't always choose life. I don't always choose life. Sometimes you choose wrong. You choose death instead of life. And unfortunately, we're living in a world and we're living in a culture where it's harder to listen to the voice of God above the clamour of the marketplace and all the opinions around us. It's easy to, to get taken off course by the siren voices of the world. So this morning, I'm going to assume that you're not choosing life. I'm going to assume that on some level, each of you are choosing death. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think assuming that you've chosen life simply because you're sat here is a danger, right? Assuming that we've all chosen life, that we've all chosen God and we're all continuing to choose God. So maybe it's safer to assume that as of this moment, some of us right now are choosing death. Or at least tempted by the makeup and the gloss and the shininess that, that death wears, that hides the corruption underneath And so if this is you, then the question is, how do you make the the transition from choosing badly to choosing rightly, from choosing death to choosing life? How do you actually do that? I think the answer to that is found in Psalm 119, another one of our lectionary passages. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, and it starts with these words. How happy are those whose walk is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. So choosing life starts with recognizing that what others have and what you're missing. Okay, when when the psalmist says, how happy are those? How happy are those who have chosen life? We're hearing a tone of voice. There's almost a wistfulness in the voice of the psalmist. He's saying, how happy are those? It's almost like he's not counting himself in that group. It's like that, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, right? It's the same tone of voice that you hear from people who say, how nice would it be to be no longer in that Right, how nice. Feels like a pipe dream. Or, I wish I could go on vacation instead of milking cows twice a day, every day, 365 days a year. Right, there's a wistfulness there. And change never happens if you're content with the status quo. So, the first step on this journey of choosing life is to say, How happy. How happy, look at them, look at the saints of old. Look at the people who served Christ throughout the ages. Look at the missionaries who gave up everything to follow Christ. Look at the people who give their money sacrificially and always seem to have enough while I hoard my money and I hardly seem to make it through the month. How happy are those whose way is blameless? How happy are those who keep his decrees and who seek him with all their heart? Wouldn't it be nice to be single-minded like that? to love God so much that I cannot wait to open the Bible and to have him speak to me, to hear what he has to say to me. I wish that that was true of my life. How happy are those? Friends, true happiness is not found in a new job or a new spouse or a new house or a new neighborhood. Happiness is only found in walking according to the Lord's instruction. You were made in the image of God and the Bible is the instruction manual of how you best operate. So if you think of your life, think of your friends, think of someone that you admire. Someone who loves Jesus and you look at them and you say, in spite of the circumstances around them, they're genuinely happy. And say to them maybe, can I take you out for a coffee? I'd love to hear what your secret is. How are you so consistently happy despite of everything going on around you not in a fake smiley happy kind of way but in a way that their inner joy is not affected by the circumstances that they happen to be going through and then you can listen to them as they tell you their story maybe they feel a bit awkward no one's ever asked them that before but it's a good question to ask and this means that we need community we need to we need examples we cannot do life alone We need to be in each other's lives, in friendships of accountability, in small groups, in grow groups. And it takes time, but it matters because life is on the line. In fact, I write discussion questions about these sermons every single week. I don't know if you realize this. I found that some of my board members don't even realise this, so I have no assumption that you even know that this happens. But I do, I write them out. And so if you want to use them, you know, to maybe delve further into the scriptures, then then you can find them on YouTube uh, in the description. You you can find them on the podcast in the show notes. And uh, they're also at the back on pieces of paper that you can grab on the way out. But if you want to grow... But you're not sure how then perhaps meeting with a couple of other people or your family or friends and processing through these questions might be a way to grow but choosing life starts with saying how happy it starts with saying god i am not happy if i'm honest i'm not happy but i want to be and i recognize that happiness is only found in living life according to your ways not mine and i see that this person whoever it is seems to be getting it right So step one, be honest. Acknowledge how happy next step is to say, if only. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. Verse five and six. Step two is moving beyond observing those who seem to get the Christian life. And it turns inward as you see the way that you're falling short. Again, honesty is required. If you want to choose life, then you have to be honest. You have to be able to say to yourself, if only. It starts with a holy discontent, with a sacred longing for something, with an honest appraisal of your life. So ask yourself, are you happy? And I don't mean, are you living the dream? I don't mean, are you living your life, you're reaching your life goals? I don't mean, are you considered a success by your peer group? I mean are you happy which means are you seeking god with all your heart are you walking in his ways if not then take this next brave step of saying if only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes you're saying to god in essence i'm not there yet but i'm through with pretending i'm done with acting as though this gap between what i say and what i do does not exist I'm done with playing games. And God, at this moment, I don't know what the answer is. Because these other gods are still very tempting to me. And they crowd my landscape so that I can hardly see you. And I know the sin in my life saddens you. And I know that it embarrasses me. And I'm ashamed of it. And I know that there's a way out, but I cannot see it right now. And so, Holy Spirit, I bring to you my hypocrisy. And I bring to you my divided heart, and I ask that you would unite it to praise you. Take the pieces of my heart and put it back together again, if only. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. When we're living in sin, God's commands make us ashamed because we know that we're not living according to our maker's instructions. When it's, and when it's not dealt with, uh, sin causes us, to either run and hide from God, or it causes us to actually dig in our heels and to try to justify ourselves in front of God. That's what we see in our society today. There's a lot of self-justification. How dare you tell me that this is wrong? How dare you call this thing that I'm partial to sin? Who do you think you are, God? But freedom comes. Choosing life comes when we look at people who follow God and we say, how happy are they? And then we look at our own life in comparison and we say, if only my ways were committed to following your statutes. And finally, the last step to choosing life is saying, I will. I will. Would you, would you get me a tissue, please? Sorry, um, I've, uh, I've had a bit of a cold over the past week. Thank you. Stacey was here, she loved that man. She's not, so i got to turn to my wife. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm gonna edit that out of the video. <laughs> That's okay, I have a mask, I'll put that on afterwards. I will, this is the last step to choosing life, saying I will. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes, never abandon me. And friends, when we come to God in the sorrow of repentance, he responds by giving us the will and the power to live according to his ways. Right? The word says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who's working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Philippians 2 verse 12. So you work out your salvation. Why do you work out your salvation? Why? Because it's God who's working. You work and God works. And the freedom of a liberated will is beautiful to see as we see in Psalm 119. Moving from how happy to if only to I will. John Eldridge wrote this book called The Utter Relief of Holiness the utter relief of holiness. I've not read it, but it's there on my bookshelf and it's almost like I don't need to read it because the title ministers to me, the utter relief of holiness. True freedom is not found when you get your own way. Freedom is found when you pray, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Utter relief Utter relief. And part of the malaise and the sickness of this world in which we live is that we have a bunch of individualists who are all saying, love me for who I am and accept me or you are my enemy. That's the world in which we live today. And this is found in the left and the right in the progressives and the conservatives, city and rural, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, straight, LGBTQ, rich and poor. We're all saying, love me for who I am and accept me or you're my enemy and this is killing our world this is killing our society but the way of Jesus the way of Deuteronomy 30 the way of Psalm 119 tells us something different instead of saying love me for who I am and accept me or you are my enemy instead we come to Jesus and we say take me as I am and change me even though I am your enemy and some. Of you this morning need to find this freedom that can only be found at the foot of the cross where sinful humanity and a holy God meet in the person of Jesus Christ where sin is dealt with where sin is dealt with where burdens of hearts roll away where the honest person can look at the dying form of Jesus and say nothing is more important than you you gave everything for me how can I give you any less and so, I'd invite the worship team, you know, to come up, and and I'd invite you that as you as you listen to this song and as you reflect on this message, whether it's in your pews or kneeling at the front of the sanctuary, I invite you to choose life. Maybe you love Jesus. I don't think. I, I think it's like Curtis said right that that salvation isn't just a one-time deal it's a continuing opting in and maybe there's a sector of your life that you need to choose life once again choose life because jesus said this he said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and jesus said this as well a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance So come to the God who loves you so much. Come to the God with your sins and your burdens and your failures and your brokenness. And you can say to him, how happy, if only, and I will. How happy, if only, and I will. And maybe all that you do this morning is is say to God, Lord, I'm a hypocrite. If only things were different. If only, maybe you're not at the I will state yet. But just come to him as you are. And as this next song says, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. Lord, I pray that as we are confronted with a decision to choose life, And prosperity or to choose death and adversity that you would give us the grace to be honest that you would give us the grace to not pretend or to hide because Lord we are all beggars we are all failures in so many ways and yet Lord God as as we come to you in repentance you fill in those gaps you heal our wounds Lord and you, you, you're the one who gives us the power and the strength to go from saying, how happy are those to, if only, I, if only I could have that, to saying, I will, I choose you. From this moment on, I choose to walk in your ways, whatever may come. Holy Spirit, we need you. Move in our midst. Move in our weakness and help us encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen.